and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Molly Rands. And I'm Joanne Hathaway. We're very pleased to have Kati Gashtaspi, securities lawyer, branding expert, coach, consultant, speaker, and founder of Purist Consulting. Join us today as our podcast guest to talk about having an effective personal brand and its impact on marketing, stress, self-confidence, and the reduction of bias in the practice of law. So, Kati, would you share some information about yourself with our listeners? Sure. So, you know, I'm big on people's stories. So let's start with my story. Uh, I call it your personal connection story when we work on it with lawyers. So I'm an immigrant. I used to think I was an immigrant. So I have to correct myself because years ago, my I'm working on my third book. My book editor said, you realize you're a refugee. You're not an immigrant. So kind of changed my world. So I'm a refugee. We moved here from Iran in 1979. We packed two suitcases thinking we were leaving for two weeks because we weren't of the um, majority religion that was throwing a revolt and revolution in the country. So we left, moved to Indiana. So another um, Midwestern state here in the U.S. And I always wanted to save the world by becoming a securities lawyer. And I never looked like anyone else. I didn't exactly fit in, which is where the diversity comes in. And I went through a lot of change. And my brand was always kind of evolving in an evolutionary process. So I really thought that becoming a lawyer was what I had to do to save the world because that's just my purpose in life. And I had a great career in Washington, D.C. for the most part. I was a federal lobbyist. So I saw how that sausage was made. And then from there, I went to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. I was there when Enron blew up. If anybody remembers Enron, if you're old enough to remember Enron. And then I was fortunate enough while I was at the SEC to set up the entire registration system for investment advisors and broker dealers with FINRA, which back then was called NASD. And then from there, I went to a major law firm where I switched hats and my clients were all the big boys. It was always me and a bunch of men twice my age. And I was whining and dining them and working for them. It was at the firm, though, it was interesting, where I started to have my second career kind of crop up. Other lawyers, because as I wrote in my second book, as I was doing my research for my second book for the American Bar Association, one out of every 267 people in D.C. is a lawyer. So it was really not a big deal to be a lawyer. But there was a lot of us, right? So lawyers would always say to me when I was at the firm, how'd you get promoted? How did the partner in charge give you that great client? How'd you get that gig? And I had never really stopped to think about it. So I would take them to lunch and I had limited amounts of time, obviously. And I would say, here, do this, say this, try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll come back and we'll try something else new. And it was an interesting proposition because that's how my branding work started. So when I left the practice of law, I went in-house. So at this point, I had been around the entire legal block, right? State government, federal government, law firm, lobbying, and now in-house. And it was there where I burnt out, you guys. I'd gone to see my doctor and he said, your stress is so high. You've got really bad acid reflux, all these tests. And um, he said, quit your job. And I said, well, thank you. But I put myself through law school. Are you going to pay my bills? And here I was single. And so it was funny, but it was not funny. But it was the day I had spent 15 hours drafting, like a very small part of a mutual fund prospectus. And I went home at night and opened my lovely mailbox on my beach house property, took out my mail and standing there in the dark was my own prospectus. And what do you ladies think I did with my own prospectus? 
I threw it away because no one reads that stuff. And that was my aha moment. And when I say this on stage, uh, when I tell my story, when I'm hired to speak, uh, sometimes I use profanity, sometimes I don't. We'll keep it clean this time. But and that was my big aha moment when I threw that stuff, we'll call it stuff today, away that, oh, my gosh, this is not my life's purpose. So I quit my job cold turkey. There was some drama involved. Don't get me wrong. But this was two years before the recession and no one was recreating themselves because no one had to. We were all still tied to corporate life and the brand of the company and the brand of the firm. And people thought I was nuts as a result. And I was pretty darn sure I was nuts, you guys. But I just couldn't go back. And here's the deal. I think the practice of law is a very noble profession. I think some people have mucked it up just like people have mucked up everything else, including politics. But we need good lawyers. So I never ask, I never share my story asking people to change careers. I just tell my story because it's important to know that you have to make a change and know what your purpose is. And it, it's scary. I, I was pretty darn sure I was going to, I had no idea where I was going with this, but I changed careers. And here we are 12 years later, I ended up taking a random community college course because you guys are Big Ten, right? Indiana was Big Ten. Mm-hmm. We never had community college in Indiana. I went to Indiana University, but I discovered community college when I retired, air quotes, from my first job. And I worked with an ex-Harvard litigator, just couldn't get away from those lawyers, right? And his whole premise was that we all have something we're naturally good at. And it's not... And I always tell lawyers, it's not delivering on time and practicing good law and being good at oral arguments. That's just a given. Like you have to do that if you're good at any craft or job, but it's something deeply ingrained in you. And if you do it every day, you can turn it into a career because it's a no fail because people can tell you're really good at it and they'll gravitate towards that. So he spent 20 minutes of this three hour class on me because I was so pathetic. I couldn't see the forest from the trees. I'm like, I'm just a lawyer. I don't have an actual skill. But here we are 12 years later, before I left the class, he called me up and he said, please do this for your fellow lawyers. And I was so exasperated, you guys. I said, do what? And he said, you'll figure it out. So again, here we are all these years later. And I finally, it took me seven long painful years to figure out my brand and turn it into a product where other lawyers and other professionals don't have to you know, go through the pain that I did, frankly. I mean, there's always going to be pain involved in growth and transformation and making your firm better and making your clients happier and growing your practice. But it doesn't have to be the kind of pain I went through. But I walked out of that process and I realized, you know, everyone has a brand and we all need to cultivate it to live a better life and to serve our clients better. And so um, that's the program I put together for lawyers. So that's my very long story. But now you have it all. Caddy, thank you so much. I was actually going to start by asking you how you became a securities lawyer and then decided to change careers. And I think you did such a great job of describing that. I'm I'm grateful you are willing to share your story. Can you talk about the real difference between personal branding and then branding of a law firm or even marketing? Sure. So there's a big difference. And I think 12 years ago when I would talk about this stuff, people would be like, what are you talking about? There's still a lot of that, but there's problem aware groups of lawyers and then there's solution aware groups of lawyers, right? Maybe that's too much marketing lingo for you guys, but some lawyers are like, I have a brand problem. They're problem aware Uh, or, or they're at least problem where that something's not working out. The solution aware is, I think this is about my personal brand. So what's the distinction? The distinction is the following. The firm brand is the logo, the website, 
the huge laundry list of 10, 20 names of law firm lawyers, which by the way, if you're listening, please change that. That doesn't work. No one remembers that. They don't remember one iota about that. It's not good anymore. Never was. But that's the business brand like um, Lexus, like Clio. Those are all business brands. Okay. Those don't represent anything and no one is buying the business brand name unless you've got such a big business brand name like Coca-Cola or or Gandhi or Oprah or something like that, right? But that have become subsumed into the concept and that's a business brand. What personal brand is, it's all about the individual. And I have a three-part definition for it that's in the book, like for the ABA book. That book uh, has been out for a long time. Here it is. It's what are your unique and relevant attributes? So what's really, truly unique and special about you, the human being? And then most lawyers are like, I don't have anything unique and relevant about myself. And if I did, I'm not going to put it out there because I don't want to brag. It feels gross. And I don't want to talk about myself. And what if I put myself out there and I become a target? And why does this have to be about me anyway? Because isn't this about how brilliant I am as a lawyer? And here's what I say. Absolutely it is. But I'm not hiring you, the lawyer. I am hiring you, the person, whether I like you or not. If I have to plunk down $500 an hour for a lawyer, I'm going to hire whoever makes me feel better. And so it's about an emotional that resonates. So that has to do with what's unique about you and what's relevant about you. So don't talk to your audience about something that's not relevant and make sure you understand what's unique about you. And please know that there is something unique because lawyers say there's nothing unique and special about me. So the second part of the redefinition is once you know those things, then how are you going to communicate it consistently to your audience? And lawyers and frankly, all of us in business and as humans fail in the communication front because we just talk at people. We're too busy. We're overtexted, overtweeted, overcaffeinated. We're not willing to really like tap in and really be present to people. But communicating consistently becomes the trick. And that's part of the process of what we teach people that it's about trust and it's about people really feeling safe around you to hire you to refer you to remember you to help you grow the practice and then the third part of the definition once you know what's unique and relevant and how to communicate it consistently to your audience then it's all about what's that feedback what does your audience really say about who you are and how does that land on your audience and what are you taking that feedback to mean to reiterate and grow the brand that is you so it's one part about what's unique and relevant about you one part about what's your story the story that i just told that's part of my brand And it's also very much about what are your natural skills and natural talents. All of that plus more comes together to form this great person that you are that no one else is unless cloning has become something that I don't know about. So that is the person's brand. And that is not fluff. That is not soft skills. That is all about the fact that the human psychology of how we buy and sell comes into practice of law. People are not buying you as a good lawyer initially. They're buying whether they like you because upward of 78% of everything you and I buy is not based on content, whether you're a great lawyer. It's based on how you emotionally resonate with me, which is why one of my big programs is called Emotional Resonance Factor. Do you resonate emotionally with your audience? Do you elevate their mood to make them feel better? That's the distinction between a personal brand and a business brand. And then marketing as an extra layer, as you asked Molly, is 
how do you take that personal brand, infuse it into the business brand, which is step two of our process with our lawyer clients. And then how do you take that out and market it to the correct audience? And the sales cycle begins at that point or continues through that point. So there's a lot of things and lawyers scratch their head and look, everyone scratches their head with all this content. Dentists scratch their head. My husband's a dentist. He's like, please, I just went to dental school because I like to practice dentistry. Do I need to know all this? And it's the same question lawyers ask me. Of course you do, because fundamentally law schools taught you how to be a good lawyer. They didn't tell you how to bring in the business so you could you know, impart your wisdom on your client base. And this is human psychology. So it's the fundamentals of your practice is basically what it is. No practice grows and launches off of no brand. You must have a personal brand that the business brand sits on top of. And that is the fundamentals of the business growth success. No business, whether it's the law or anything, grows from anywhere else than there. So, Caddy, what does personal branding have to do with diversity? Three years ago, I was chair of the American Bar Association Law Practice Division. And Joanna and I know each other through um, the Law Practice Division. And this year, I am chair of the American Bar Association Law Practice Division Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Committee. And it has been uh, a most interesting year to be chair, right? Because of what we've been going through. Here's what I've discovered over the years. The problem with diversity is that when I don't see someone else as different or accept them as different, then I tend to um, rebuff them or downplay them or not accept them, not allow them to feel like they belong. And it creates a ton of problems within the law firm settings. Culture deteriorates, retention goes down, hours go down, people just are not efficient and effective. When you know your brand, so when we come in and I run personal branding boot camp in the in the firm, when people understand who they are, they fundamentally have a good idea of all the things we just talked about. Then people invariably always look around and go, oh my gosh, I feel really good about myself. And now I see how unique and special I am. And the mind shift happens, right? They look at other people, they have to look at other people in their lives and go, hey, you know, you don't look like me, you don't sound like me, you don't believe anything that I believe, but you know, you're another human being and I'm just gonna let you and your brand be. I'm not gonna mess with you. I'm not gonna put you down. There's not gonna be toxicity around it and law firms thrive as a result of it. So when you know your brand, diversity flourishes is what we found through our programs and our work. And that's why we bring the concepts together. So when people hire for diversity training through us, it's brand and diversity training because they go hand in hand. Because, you know, you can talk about diversity till you're blue in the face, but it becomes just another CLE to have. And that's why when I said I will chair this committee at the ABA, I said, I don't want it to be another year where we're just blah, 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 talking about it and not really affecting change. When you incorporate the branding process into it, then you're actually bringing in tools and incorporating real change to happen around diversity and you can just see it flourish and shift. What do you say to lawyers who consider this topic that you've been talking about soft skills or fluff as compared to their substantive practice? Yeah, so it's different than your substantive practice. It has to be, 
but it's the predecessor to it. It's what we were just talking about that I already mentioned, that it's the foundation for it. None of this stuff is soft. It is how you buy anything. Coke, Pepsi sells you their products, which is a carbonated fizzy beverage, and they wrap it around happiness, which is the premise behind emotional resonance factor. Do you make me happier than I was before you? Even if you're a divorce lawyer, and even if you're a litigator and it's contentious. So all of this is foundational for psychology. And my job is to make lawyers see this so their life is easier rather than harder. Because I want lawyers at the end of the day to have more personal time, to have more time at home, to have less hours logged at work late at night, to work less weekends, and to be able to really spend the money that we make and actually enjoy our vacations. And so let the practice be easier by understanding that this stuff is not soft skills or fluff or an extra layer. It's foundational. You need this before you can easily grow and launch a practice and keep growing. And if you look around and those lawyers that are succeeding are doing exactly that. As I understand it, you have been focused on women lawyers as of late. Why is that, Caddy? So women lawyers, we've always had a lot on our plates, right? And we've handled it, I think, with a lot of grace. And we've shown that we're good at the substantive practice of law. I, I remember there was a woman who was eight months pregnant back in 1997 when I was taking the bar exam. So boy, have I dated myself. But we, we do it. Like, we show up and do it. The pandemic has added a whole other layer of complexity to our lives. And that is why I focus on women lawyers. So um, the D.C. Bar and the California Lawyers Association did a joint survey of their constituents to see what's going on post-pandemic. Gosh, I hope we're post-pandemic by about now. And they found out, what they found out was startling. The headline said mental health issues, which, you know, we've always been dealing with substance abuse, suicide prevention, all that, and the practice of the law. But this was truly startling because it showed that women lawyers are turning more and more to alcohol. And it really bothered me. So I was focused on women lawyers before this survey came out in in May of 2021. So just a couple months ago, because I saw that we were trying to really stretch and juggle homeschooling with their Zoom, having to drag everything home and still build and still grow and empower others. And now we're trying to figure out how to empower our colleagues and our associates through this screen now. And then where is my home office going to be? It was so much change and so complex and now shifting back to some weird hybrid model. Uh, Some firms are allowing it, some aren't, but you still got the children that are trying to transition back to school. But now we've got the variant that we're dealing with. And guess what? There's always going to be something. So women lawyers are not doing something wrong. They're just right now, they need that extra support and attention. I used to get calls from law firms uh, years ago saying, hey, all our women lawyers are leaving. Can you help us by bringing in a mentorship program? And I would always say, no, you do not need a mentorship program. Keep your money. Why? They were always startled. And I would say, if I'm a woman lawyer, 
and I am struggling because my stress is so high and I've got so much on my plate to deal with. I mean, look at me, myself, my parents, my mom just passed away. Like there's a lot on people's plates in life, right? Outside of the practice. But if I'm that woman lawyer and you tell me, oh, great, now I'm going to give you a mentee. Well, now you've just saddled me with more stress and more responsibility. And if I'm good at what I do, I'm probably going to take that very seriously because as women lawyers, we go 100% like we should. And that's going to actually break my back and maybe I'll even leave the firm because of it. So I said, you don't need the mentorship program. What you need is a support program. And that's what our program is. Branding Bootcamp functions in a support mentality. So we come in and we deliver it to maybe all the women lawyers or to all the minority or maybe to all the partners because there's support built into that. And when we have support, call it allyship, call it support, whatever you want, it then really allows the mentorship to flourish. So then I just leave law firms with the mentorship packet. I'm like, you don't need me to administer the mentorship, but you do need the support. And women lawyers right now more than ever really need that support. So that's why I'm focused on them, Joanne. Caddy, can you share with us your formal research on stress and self-confidence? Sure. So about a decade ago, I was... um, You know, there's the left linear brain and then there's the right creative brain. So as a good lawyer, we're always trapped in our left linear brain. It's analytical. It's data driven. It's A plus B equals C. So 10 years ago, I was like, you know, I need to prove my theories from to satisfy my own left linear brain, but also for other lawyers. So I did research at UCLA with a neuroscientist and I found there's a direct inverse correlation between stress and self-confidence. So as our stressors go up and there's plenty in our lives, right? I just listed a whole laundry list of them, but there's many more. Then our self-confidence drops proportionally. And what that really means at that point is that the stress is up, self-confidence is down. It's physiological. Even the most self-confident people struggle with it. But really what that means is in those moments, we're not selling our brand very well. No one is buying what we're selling them. We're not emotionally resonating with our audience. There is no level of happiness coming out um, to convert people, to be our biggest fans, to be our referral source, to promote us, to notice us. This is true whether you're running a law practice or you're trying to get a date, frankly. This is just life. So that's what my formal results showed. And I'm happy if anybody wants to email me, I have a summary of my results. People like to read through. It's just been condensed to a couple pages because it helps people understand why the stress cycle is so important. So you hear so much about stress and people are always trying to you know, not roll their eyes and figure out how to reduce their stress, but it's directly tied to self-confidence. So if you can manage to get your stress down, and frankly, a ton of my program is just focused on that stress and self-confidence factor, because if we can get your stress down, your self-confidence naturally goes up and so you show up better. But once you figure that out, then everything else falls into place and you're able to emotionally resonate with your audience and your life is much easier and your practice flourishes, you become one of those people you see where you're like, how do they have it all together? Well, it's because they've mastered or are in practice of mastery because look, all this stuff is evolving. It's never going to be perfect. It should be. It's an iterative process. But when you nail down your your brand, it means your stress is under control. And, you know, I grapple with this every day. I'm not perfect. I have high stress too, but I'm self-aware and I can bring that back into my body awareness. And that's what the research really proved. And how it lends itself so beautifully to branding is branding is right brain creative activity. 
the precise focus and nature of the type of work we do as lawyers doesn't allow us to be in our right creative brains. It throws us into our left linear brains. And that left linear brain is all about order and logic and the stressors of it. So we need to balance that out. And that's what my programs do. So you can then develop and evolve your brand. And maybe that's too much information for what's under the hood, but it's important for those who are trying to justify and understand it from a left brain perspective to know that that's the science and the research behind it. So, Cadi, how can people help themselves? Well, so, you know, whether you find someone to help you like me or somebody else, it doesn't really matter. I'm not bragging. I'm applying for a job, I suppose, but this is my life's purpose. And if anything, my whole purpose is for people to understand that and to earn their business, but to help people out because I'm here to serve. And we do this in so many ways. So the, the easiest way is for you all to take a quiz that we have out there. It's called puristconsulting.com backslash quiz. We'll have the link in the show notes. You can do that. But The other thing you can do is just to have self-awareness day in and day out of what what is your brand. And that's what that quiz does. The quiz gives you a baseline to see how you stack up against other lawyers. So you know where to start and where to go. You may have a great brand, so but you need to know where you rank because most people just ignore it and say, I don't want to know because if I know, then I'm going to have to do something about it or I'm too busy, right? The too busy thing. I get it. I'm too busy too. But if it's important to you, you'll take the quiz, find out where you rank and then start having self-awareness. Watch how you're coming across to people watch the feedback. Are you having relevant conversations with people? Are you sharing your story? Are you actually managing your self-confidence and stress? And why aren't you asking for support if you need it? You know, I pay my coaches a ton of money and consultants a ton of money because I can't do everything myself. Neither can the staff, but I'm worth it. And so so are the people I serve. So if your clients are worth it, then you're worth it. And that's how you can help yourself. Wonderful. I also would like you to please share some information about your branding book that you have through the American Bar Association Law Practice Division. We'd love to put that in the show notes as well, because you do in that book. I have read it. I have it. I love it. Um, (laughs) And it was very popular in our practice management lending library. So um, I think uh, people would love to hear about that. So how can they get that book? And um, again, we will put that in a link to that in our show notes. Thanks so much, Joanne. I had no idea. Yeah, when I first wrote that book, it was um, it was 2013. And people were like, what does happiness have to do with the brand? I think it was revolutionary. uh, I don't say so myself. Um, Look, I'm not for everyone, but I could tell we hit on a good topic there. So thank you. You made my day, Joanne. That's very kind of you. Uh, The book is available on the ABA website, but it's also available through my site that links to the ABA website. So we will drop that link for you. But if you just go on puristconsulting.com, P-U-R-I-S consulting.com and look on the homepage, you'll see the link to the book, but we'll drop it in the show notes as well. And yeah, that's a great DIY method um, to start there and to read it to just get the premise and I've had plenty of people roll into my programs that way they they found the book they read it and then they just dropped me an email and said what's next this is fascinating or I I want to be different and I want to grow my brand so it's a great way to start and certainly um, doable that way it's a great read and well worth it 
Well, it looks like we've come to the end of our show. We'd like to thank our guest today, Caddy Gashtaspi, for a wonderful program. Caddy, if our guests would like to follow up with you, how can they best reach you? Yeah, thanks for asking, ladies. They can email me. I check all my emails myself, and I'm always available. It's K-A-T-Y, Katty, at Purist Consulting, P like Paul, U-R-I-S like Sam, consulting.com. And um, drop me an email, or you can drop me an email through the website as well, or you can find me on Twitter at KattyGoshtaspi.com, LinkedIn, my profile. I would love to connect with any and all of you. And in October, we will be launching a free multi modular program for women lawyers. I'm just focusing on women lawyers in October as a service as opposed to all lawyers. But um, anybody who wants access to that, let us know now and we'll put you on that list. So once that program launches for free, you will be able to access that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Katy. This has been another edition of the State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Molly Rands. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan On Balance Podcast. Brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.